What's going on, Redemption Community Church? My name is Corey Ball. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption. Uh, thank you so much for joining us digitally. If this is your first time, like Britt said, uh, please go ahead and like that comment in the comment section because we really, really want to connect with you. We would love to get to know you. Um, well, we are starting a new series this week. It's going to be a four-week series called A New Heart. And, uh, and we're looking at how God relates to us. We need to remember when, when, when we're thinking about God in us, that He is God. We are not. We're the creation. He's the creator. Um, and so there's a, there's a divide. There's a difference. And what that means is that we cannot choose the way that we interact with God. He chooses that for us. He chooses how He interacts with us. He chooses how our relationship um, is going to connect in one of the ways that he chooses to do that is something called a covenant. This week we're going to be uh, starting this series, A New Heart, but for the next, uh, this week and then the following three weeks, we're going to be looking at what exactly is a covenant. Well, throughout this series, I'm going to be referring to the Bible um, in a couple different you know, ways or lenses, um, but one of those lenses that we're going to be looking at the Bible through, one of those lenses is this idea of terms and conditions. Uh, I think we've all used terms and conditions. We've all signed off on terms and conditions. Terms and conditions, as explained through trusty Wikipedia, is this, the legal agreements between a service provider and a person who wants to use that service. The person must agree to abide by the terms of service in order to use the offered service. Well, you've had to initial or sign before on terms of agreements. Um, if you own an Apple product, you've definitely done this. Um, I, I think every single one of us who has an Apple product, we have done this. You have to agree to the terms and conditions before you can actually use the service that Apple Apple provides. Well, this past week, uh, we actually got an update if you have an Apple uh, iPhone. And by the way, if you don't have an Apple iPhone and you're an Android user, you're just in the weird, you know, small percentage. Um, but, but for the Apple, users this past week you got an ios update it was 13.6 and when you went to update your your operating system to ios 13.6 you had to agree to the terms and conditions and if you didn't agree to those terms and conditions you couldn't what you couldn't use the service you couldn't be the benefit or, or, or the beneficiary you couldn't use the benefit of the service and so you had to agree to the terms and conditions now what's also true about terms and conditions is that you never read them you have no clue what terms and conditions uh, from Apple even are. Uh, you, if, if, if someone quizzed you and said, hey, we need you to give us you know, three or four of the terms and conditions in the terms and conditions agreement, you could give them zero. Why? Because you didn't read it, right? But here's the beautiful thing about this. Like, even though uh, we don't fully understand the terms and conditions, that doesn't mean that our service through Apple ceases to exist, right? It doesn't become null and void. It doesn't stop working. No matter what, still, uh, the service through Apple continues to work. And this is often what happens with us in the context of God in the Bible, unfortunately. Uh, for us, we, um, for those of us who follow God, who follow Jesus, we uh, kind of agree to the terms and conditions of this whole thing when we decided to give our lives over to Jesus. When we decided to surrender our lives to him and follow him, we've agreed to the terms and conditions. However, um, 
just because we don't understand the terms and conditions, just like Apple, uh, it doesn't mean that our service ceases to exist. It doesn't mean that the interaction uh, between us and God, it doesn't mean that, that his salvation over us stops, okay? It doesn't mean that. But, but listen, your relationship with Apple is a little different than your relationship with God the Creator, you're not in a relationship with Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple. Rather, you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so, um, though we don't always have to really read the terms and conditions of Apple, I don't think your life is going to be impacted one way or another if you read them or you don't read them. Um, though we don't read those terms and conditions, how much more rich would our relationship with Jesus, the Son of God, be if we were to understand the terms and conditions laid out in the Bible. Well, throughout the series, um, A New Heart, we are going to be looking at those terms and conditions. We are going to be looking at the way that God chooses to interact with his people. And uh, our hope, my prayer, is that you grow more close to Jesus through this entire series. Um, well, let's let's uh, look at this. My, my uh, late professor Jim Wallace in, in seminary, he said this one time when we were talking about church history, he said, Christians can be likened to a trust fund kid. Um, he said, often with trust fund kids, they receive a, a large lump sum of money every single month, sometimes thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars every month. But what's true about them is they often don't understand what their great-great-grandfather had to go through in order to bless them with that amount of money every month. See, as Christians, what happens is we have received this incredible blessing, the, the blessing to be able to be called children of God, the blessing to spend eternity in heaven with God the Father and our family, our spiritual family. Incredible blessing. And yet, Often we don't understand what exactly it cost God for us to, to, to experience that blessing. So throughout this series, we're going to be looking at what happened from the garden to the cross. And how did God choose to pave that redemptive road for our return back to him? So I'm really excited about this, this series. Um, when we think of covenants... Uh, I, I think I think as we're as we're going into the series, you know, we we we, we don't want to be uh, like the trust fund kid. Okay, we don't want to take things for granted. What we want to do is we want to be be responsible, and we want to know uh, more and more about God. When we think about covenants, this is going to help us kind of learn about God. Uh, we we often think of covenants. We think of marriage, because in our culture, the only thing that we really covenant uh, through is marriage and, and it's called the marriage covenant for a reason okay but the marriage covenant and um but even in our culture okay in our context today in our contextual uh in our, our cultural context today in america in 2020 we don't really think of marriage as a covenant what we really think of marriage as is a contract i mean uh, we have prenups right and we have divorce court and and really um you know, our thought around marriage is is often no different than a contract. Uh, sometimes what we what we do is is we we look at marriage kind of as a cell phone contract. For example, I love this cell phone provider. I'm going to be with this cell phone provider as long as I, I can think. As long you know, as as far as I'm concerned, um, inevitably. Yet, 
if a new cell phone provider comes along and can, can offer me something better or something that I think will make me more happy, though I know I'm going to have to pay to get out of this contract, right? Though I know it's not going to be easy, I'm going to have to go through a bunch of rigmarole or whatever, um, I think I will leave this cell phone provider and go find a different cell phone provider. So we often look at marriage even as that, that, that cell phone contract. Now, I, I don't say that to shame anyone who's been divorced. Um, I don't, uh, really, truly. But we need to be intellectually honest. Um, we, we just don't really understand the word covenant or what covenants are. And so, because we don't really get it, because we don't fully understand it, because it's something that seems very foreign and even sometimes archaic. We need to not lean on our own understanding, our own experience and knowledge in the area of covenants. We need to really lean into the Bible and really depend on God to give us the truth of what a covenant is, how serious it is, and how really it changes our lives. So throughout this series, let's humbly walk together into the Bible and let's discover what a covenant is and what it means for us. So let me give you a couple definitions here as the Bible kind of describes it. The Bible describes covenants as this irrevocable promise from God between him and his people. It's an irrevocable promise from God between him and his people. There's this great quote by O. Palmer Robertson. He says this, A covenant is a bond in blood, sovereignly administered. A covenant is a bond in blood, sovereignly administered. A covenant in the context of the Bible is, is a promise bound by blood. And that sounds a little bit archaic. Uh, I understand. Like, I get it, you know. Um, PETA would not be friendly with the Bible, okay. Like, they, there's no way they like the Old Testament, right. Uh, I get it. But, 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 but here's the thing. Um, there's a reason that every single time there is a covenant entered into in the Bible, that, that animals are killed. They're sacrificed. There's a reason that every single time a covenant is entered, there is blood. Why is that? Because God wants us to understand the seriousness of a covenant. Every time that there is a covenant entered or broken, there must be bloodshed. I mean, that is a very, very serious I promise you this, we don't take covenants as seriously as we should. Um, so uh, every time there's, there's a covenant entered or broken, there is bloodshed. All right? Something has to die. So uh, throughout, the, throughout the covenant or throughout the Bible, we see this. And, and, and essentially what we're, what we're seeing when entering a covenant, when, when, when there's bloodshed, both parties that enter this agreement, okay, often it's, it's God to his people. There are other covenants, though, in Scripture where it's people to people. But when, 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 when covenants are entered um, and, and, and the blood is shed, what the people are saying is this. If I break this covenant, let what has happened to these animals, to these sacrifices, also happen to me. Okay? It is a matter of life and death. Covenants are very very serious. Um, the other thing I want to say before we dive into scripture is this, that, that covenants, uh, covenants are all throughout the scriptures. They're all throughout the Bible. They're all throughout 
the 66 books, there's hints of covenant throughout all the books. And, 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 and when you look at the Bible, uh, it's divided into two sections, right? We know this as the old what? Testament and the new what? Testament. Well, well, well listen, get this. The word testament actually translates from covenant, okay? The word testament translates from covenant. And so when we think of Old Testament, we are actually looking at the old what? Covenant. See, those books in the Old Testament are really containing the Old Covenant. And then what happens? Well, Jesus comes. He comes onto the scene. And so enters in the new what? Covenant, right? And the New Testament contains the new covenant. Jesus changed everything. Throughout the series, you're also going to see this split, this pre-Christ, this before Christ, right? And this post-Christ, okay? After Christ. And so you're going to see this throughout this, the, the split of the covenants. And um, in, in the, old, the old covenant to the new covenant, we have to understand this as well, that the old covenant didn't fail, okay? It didn't fail. See, see, often what we think is, is all right, there's, there's the old covenant, there's the new covenant. Well, the old covenant, see, the problem with the old covenant is it was, you know, broken and all these things. No, no, God, God didn't, he didn't create something broken. Uh, he didn't create something and, 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 and God oopsed, right? He screwed up. Well, I, I kind of oops there. I guess I got to, I got to get something else. I don't know if you've seen uh, the old school football movie, The Replacements, um, but but Keanu Reeves stars in it. Gene Hackman. So it's, it's a football movie from like the '90s or early 2000s. Great movie, and um, and so anyway, in this movie, Gene Hackman, he's the coach, and and he recruits Shane Falco, which is Keanu Reeves' character. He he recruits Shane Falco from this boat. He's working on a boat. He recruits him to come and lead the Washington Sentinels to to the to the championship. And so Shane Falco comes in as a replacement, right? Because the other, the actual pro football players are all on strike. Um, listen, the new covenant is not the replacement plan for God's failed attempt to redeem humanity. Okay? The new covenant was always intended. It was always promised. It was always plan A. See, God didn't have, he, he didn't have a plan A, B, and C, and D. He always had a plan A. But the old covenant was part of plan A. And we'll see uh, that throughout this. And we'll see how Jesus is the fulfillment of the plan. He's not a replacement of the plan. He's a fulfillment of the plan. And I think we're going to start to see that this week. Okay, we're going to open up to Genesis chapter 3. We're going go to go to the Bible now. And Genesis is, is the first book of the Bible. Genesis means beginning. Um, and in the beginning, right, the Bible opens up, in the beginning, God created. So he creates the world. We see that. And then uh, he creates Adam and Eve. And, uh, and then in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, they have this interaction with a snake, with Satan. And Satan, the devil, he tempts them to eat of this, this fruit from the tree that they're not allowed to eat from. And they do, okay? They did, don't listen to God and they eat from this fruit or from this tree. And, uh, and so th there are immediate consequences for their actions. Immediate. And so we're going to see that, okay? We're going to start in chapter 3, verse 7. At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. 
Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Okay, so this is like a big deal, right? They sin, they feel naked, they were in the buff and it was cool, like totally fine, shameless and naked, right? Just like, you know, happy day. And uh, and then uh, all of a sudden, you know, the, this idea of like sin, right? Like sin enters, okay? Like we, we, we don't understand the, the effects, the, 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 the damage that that caused. We may never fully understand it because we don't know the perfect garden without sin. Um, and so this side of heaven, we won't understand the, the crazy change that that brought on the world. But they sin and suddenly they feel shame. Um, and so what happens? Well, verse 20 says this. Then the man, uh, Adam, named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. In chapter 3, we're introduced to this idea. When we sin, there must be blood shed. When we sin, there must be blood shed. Okay? Now, this is something that is pervasive throughout the entire Old Covenant. And actually, it's a big part of the New Covenant as well. So uh, stick with us because week four will explain all of this. Um, but I do think that um, we need to understand that, that there always has to be bloodshed for sin, okay, to be covered. For sin to be covered, there always has to be bloodshed. And that, that starts in Genesis chapter three in the garden. Okay, well, Adam and Eve, they get kicked out of the garden. A couple generations pass. And uh, there's this man, his name's Abram. And Abram, he's later named Abraham. Abram is a descendant of Adam and Eve. And so we're going to see in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, this interaction that God has with this man named Abram. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. God's saying, trust me, I will bless you with land. And that land later on is Israel. Verse 2, I'll make you into a great nation. Again, God is saying, trust me, I will bless you with people. And that's the Jewish people. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So again, God is saying, trust me through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And essentially what, what God is saying here, and we don't fully understand, it's a, little, it's a little cryptic right here, but you see this unfold throughout the Bible. What God is promising is that, is that through your lineage, all the families of the earth will be blessed, meaning that your descendants will be my chosen method of telling others about me. Okay. He's also setting up something else that later on through the lineage of Abram, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, is born. And all the families of the world are blessed through Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. Okay, so you need to see this, that, that all of, the, all of the, the, the redemptive story of mankind, the way that God has chosen to redeem creation, didn't start in, in the New Testament. It didn't start in, in Matthew. No, no, it started in Genesis. It started in Genesis 3. It started in Genesis 12. It continues, okay? And so we're going to go to Genesis chapter 15. Now, in Genesis chapter 12, God is saying, hey, these are all the things I'm going to bless you with and, and all this stuff to Abram. 
But in Genesis chapter 15, the actual covenant ceremony happens, all right? This is a big deal. Now, leading up to what we're going to read in the first part of Genesis chapter 15, um, God comes and he starts talking to Abram. And he, and he says, hey, I'm going to protect you, uh, which, by the way, is a big part of covenants, like protection and provision. So I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to bless you, all these things. And Abram is like, hey, great, that's really cool, but I don't have a son. I don't have a kid. So what are you going to do about that, God? Right? And God goes, uh, hey, actually, come, come with me. Uh, let's step outside. In verse 5, it says this. Then the Lord took Abram outside, and he said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteousness because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you the land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? Okay, so, so Abraham knows what's going on here. He's like, God, I need a little something more than just your word. See, at this point, we don't know like the, the real um, interaction between Abram and God. Um, we know this, that, that part of this is a vision. And so Abram is, is having this vision. If it's a dream, if it's a, if it's a vision and he's awake, I don't know. But, but, but Abram's got to be sure, right? Like, I mean, Abram's probably thinking here like, hey, is it the gefilte fish that I just ate? Uh, was that bad? Okay. Or um, is this really the God of the universe, the God who created everything? Like, what is going on here? So Abram goes, hey, I'm going to need something a little more, God. And something crazy happens. God starts... The covenant ceremony. See, God tells Abram to get a, a three-year-old heifer and a female goat, a ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And, and he tells him to take the animals, cut them in half, except for the birds, set the, the, the animals, okay, set their halves to the sides. And so it's gross. I get it. Again, a bit archaic. I understand. But um, remember, every time a covenant is entered, blood is there. And every time that we sin, blood has to be has to be shed. Okay, so um, th there's this aisleway between these these animal halves. Okay, and this is what happened when two people would enter into a covenant. They would they would take these animals, they would sacrifice them, and they would set them to the sides, and the parties one party would stand here, and the other party would stand over there, and they would they would intersect. They would walk in between the animals. They would intersect one another and get to the other side. And what they were saying is this, if I break this covenant, let what has happened to these animals happen also to me. Okay, big deal. So God starts this. Uh, he asks Abraham to get these animals. Abram gets the animals and Abram sets it up. Okay, and, um, and so verse 18 says this. It says, so the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day which is incredible. All these things are going to come to pass. Um, God is perfect. He doesn't break covenants, so he's going to keep his covenant. Well, that's, that's really great. Man, this is so cool. But there is something really big here. And so many Christians have never understood this. So many Christians have never been taught this. So many Christians don't understand the beauty of this moment. And, and even, even if we went through and we read it, every single verse, I think you would miss it, okay? So, so sometimes we need people to kind of help us see these things. I'm going to help you, all right? 
when this is set up, there's animals cut in half. They're, they're, they're in the alleyway, right? We have to remember that God does not have a physical manifestation of himself yet. He doesn't have a body. God the Father does not have a body, okay? The Holy Spirit does not have a body. Who does have a body? Jesus, right? When, when, we, when we look at the, the, the Trinity, we see God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus does have a body, but he doesn't at this point. Jesus doesn't have a body until his physical manifestation when he was birthed, right, through his mother Mary. Okay, so um, if, if a covenant is going to be entered, God has to use something to represent himself, and he does. In this case, he uses two things. He uses a smoking a fire pot, and he uses a torch, a flaming torch. Okay, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch. All right, so what, what happens? Well, what happens is found in verse 17. Let's, let's look at this. After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day. Do you see this? Do you see what happened? Abram never walked between the animals. A smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed through. God passed through twice. But remember with covenants, both parties have to pass through. Because when they pass through, what are they saying? They're saying, if I break this, let what has happened to these animals also happen to me. But Abram never passed through. See, God does something incredibly unexpected. This is what God does. God says that, Abram, even if you don't keep the covenant, I will keep the covenant on your behalf. Abram, even if you break the covenant, and he does, I will keep the covenant on your behalf. See, God is saying to us, like, what, what, what does this mean to you? What does this mean to us? And God is saying to us, even if you don't keep your covenant with me, and you haven't, and you won't, and you will continue to break it, God knows who you are. He knows your needs. He knows that as a human, you're not perfect. Right? And God knows that in your weakness, he will be your strength. And he knows that in your, your double-mindedness, he will be unchanging. He knows that in your sins, he will be perfection on your behalf. When God passed through those carcasses, in his omniscience, in his ability to know everything, he knew this, that one day he would have to pay. He knew that one day, because an entire people that he is pursuing and loving and working to save, an entire people are going to break the covenant and someone, someone is going to have to have happened to them what happened to those animals. That there will be a sacrifice made, that the payment will be blood. And God was willing to make that sacrifice. In fact, he knew right then 
that just over 1,700 years later, he would have to send his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to be rejected and murdered by the very same people that he's going to save. God decided to do it anyway. He knew the pain it would cause. He knew the heartache that it would cause. And he decided that we were worth it. And so we wonder, God, am, am I worth it? Am, am I worthy? I mean, suicide rates around our country are through the roof. God, am I worthy? Yes, you're worthy. You are worth it. And I know you're worth it because Jesus went through it. I know you're worth it because Jesus went through it. And for 1,700 years, God had to live with the idea that one day the payment would be due and he would have to send his son to die on the cross, that blood had to be shed because Abram and every other person did not hold up their end of the covenant. And God decided to do it anyway. We believe at Redemption that we serve an all-loving God. An all-powerful, all-loving God that when we are weak, He is our strength. When, when we are double-minded and, and always changing, He is unchanging. When we are full of sin, He is our perfection. And that He is the fulfillment of the covenant that we could never keep. And because of that, we receive a blessing of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so we're going to talk about that all throughout this series. But I want you to see this. I want to boil all this down with one statement before I pray. The bottom line is this, that covenants are God's perfect path for our return to Him. Covenants are God's perfect path for our return to Him. We who follow Jesus, we do so on His terms. He gave us the terms and conditions. It's found in the Bible. We don't choose our own path to Him. There aren't many paths. There aren't even two paths. There are one, and it's through the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son, Jesus. And the covenants point to Jesus, and they are fulfilled in Jesus. And we have the opportunity to enter a relationship through that path, through Jesus, in the covenants, with God our Father. And we serve a God who made a way for us. And so we praise Him. Father, uh, I thank You so much that You gave us a way back to You when, when our ancestors, Adam and Eve, when they screwed up, when, they, when sin entered the world through their their, their sins, their sin into the world through their actions. And God, I, 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 I praise you that you provided a way for us to get back to you. You didn't leave us stranded on an island. You didn't go with, uh, you know, you didn't go with the second human race and just, and just throw us to the side. No, instead, um, instead you loved us enough to create the covenants and to pay for the covenants, to pay for the broken covenant with the blood of your son, Jesus. And Father, we love you and we praise you. We're not deserving of that love. Um, and so God, I pray that you would, uh, I pray that throughout this, the, this series, I pray that you, you would connect with us in ways that we haven't felt your love before. And I pray that there would be people that would understand um, that you've already paid for their sins 
that you love them and that you have paved the way for their road of redemption back to you. And God, I pray that people would decide to follow you and to give you their life. Lord, it's uh, all these things we ask in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for this week. Um, Let me say this before we leave. If you have any questions about God or about the covenants, do us a favor and drop us an email. You can email us at hello at redemptionstl.com or you can text us anytime at 314-391-4141. We want to connect with you. We want to we uh, discuss this with you. Um, so we would love to, to talk to you. So drop us a line. And then lastly, uh, August 19th, we're going to be doing uh, this, this new series, this new class series. Um, and it's all going to be around this, around a new heart. And so uh, we, we, we really encourage you um, to, to be a part of that, to take part in that and to sign up for that class series. Redemption, thanks so much for joining us. If this message has blessed you, if it could bless others, do us a favor and share it. We love you so much. Have a great week.